0: Thanks band. Uh, Good morning. Welcome again to Hiawatha Church, like Leah and Peter said earlier. My name is Spencer. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to thank you for joining us this morning, whether you are our guest this morning or whether Hiawatha Church is your home. We're glad you're here. Uh, New Year's Eve day is a great day uh, to go to church. And so thank you for being here this morning. We're actually going to take a break from our series in 1st and 2nd Samuel. And we're going to do an open mic sermon. So basically... I got to pick the topic, or the theme, or the passage, and as we are moving into a new year, uh, we, I just thought this would be a great topic for us. it's, it's been in my mind, I've talked to a lot of you about this similar topic, and as we, uh, yeah, move into the new year, we will be thinking a lot about this. So, before I get to that, I want to ask you a question. Who are you? Anyone get this reference? A few. There's a few nods. Uh... Great question. Who are you? So if if I had to, or if you had to answer this question, how would you respond? If someone asked you, who are you? Tell me about you. What is your identity? How would you respond to this question? How would you answer it? And so, like I said, it's New Year's. A lot of people are thinking about New Year's resolutions, maybe right now. How did last year go? What do I want this coming year to be about? What do I want to resolve about my actions, my behavior, who I am? As I kind of move into this new year, a lot of people just rethink life in the end of December as we're heading into January. A lot of you were around family, so maybe you're thinking about your family of origin or the people in your life, uh, maybe going to a different location, uh, thinking about, you know, how you grew up and the people that surrounded you and made you who you are. Maybe you've been away from work for a while, so you haven't been constantly with your boss and your colleagues and your job, and so maybe you've gotten a break and you're thinking through who I am uh, apart from work, or as you're heading back to work, maybe you're thinking about that as well. And so this is just an important question that many of us are just uh, very currently asking about ourselves. And so today we're going to look at uh, an identity a meaning, who, who we are, an identity that doesn't crush you, nor does it exclude others. An identity that we get from Jesus that doesn't crush you, nor does it exclude others. So how do I get this identity? So first of all, just how do people get identity in general? So if we, uh, people answer this question of who are you or who am I, a lot of us start by thinking about some type of identity that we've achieved, that, we're, that we've worked towards, that's something that we have earned. And so we can look a number of different ways to find this identity, and we can start by, and many people start by, just looking outward. We look at the world, we look at our culture, we look at our work or our vocation or our report card and our accomplishments. So maybe to respond to this question, who are you? Many of us might say, or one of the things we might respond to this, who are you? We might say, I am an, I am an American. I am a straight-A student. I am Latino. I am a businesswoman. I am a good liberal, or a good conservative, or a good uh, mom, or I am a jock, or, or fill in the blank. And so when we answer this question, we might look outward to what the world says about us, what the world says is important, what I have accomplished in the world's eyes And then respond by saying, "That's my identity." And this is often the traditional view, and I don't mean—I just mean traditional. In most of human history, or for a long, long time, most people said uh, the main part about who I am is about what tribe I am a part of, what 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 family I am a part of, what what I do to make the whole better. So I am a part of this tribe. I'm a part of this nationality, this extended family, or, or this is my occupation that I use to help my people, whoever that people might be, flourish, whether it's as a soldier, as a blacksmith, as a farmer, etc. And so in this traditional view, we, we look to what the world says about us. So who you are, your value, and your meaning under this idea, as we look outward, your identity is determined by others and by you fitting in by your nationality, by your accomplishments, by how you make the whole succeed. But the problem with our identity being fully in this is that it leads to you being crushed and you excluding others. And this theme's going to come up throughout the morning. So it leads to you being crushed because you must perform or else you lose your identity. You must perform or else you lose your value. If you stop providing a, meet, uh, a service to the group If you stop being a good citizen, a good teammate, a good colleague, you can lose that identity. You can be fired. You can be kicked out. You can be no longer respected. And so this type of identity crushes us because it's something that we can lose, because it's based on our achievements. It's based on what others say about us. And so if you think about it, uh, if this is pushed extremely, right, you are just a cog in the wheel. You are just a person in your company that they can fire and replace pretty easily. Or maybe you're a teammate that if you stop performing, will just sub in the next person and it doesn't really matter. Or maybe you're part of a clique or a group at school and they could just replace you with someone else. My wife and I watched uh, one of her favorite movies, Mean Girls, and in that you could kind of see how, hey, if someone stops fitting in, stops following the rules... Uh, they'll just replace you and find a new person. So whether that's a click in school, whether that's a team, whether that's uh, being a good member of society or a part of a group or your job, you can see how this can be just crushing. Perform or else you're out. Achieve or else you lose who you are. But it's not just you being crushed by this type of identity. It's also you excluding others. Because if people don't conform to culture, they get kicked out. If you don't uh, achieve and do what people say you're supposed to do, you can be excluded. So if you're not a part of the in crowd, you're on the outside, and you're excluded. I was just watching uh, the new Godzilla TV show on Apple TV, and they, they shared this Japanese proverb in the show that is, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. And so in this, this way of getting your identity, if you stick out, you get hammered down. You need to conform or else. But people don't only look outward to find their identity, look to other people to tell them who they are, look to their own accomplishments or their own culture or their own world. People also look inward, which is in a lot of ways even more common in our culture now today. People say, my heart my desires, my attractions, my independence. That's what defines who I am. That's where I get my identity. I listen to my inner self. I listen to my heart. I listen to my mind. And this is, as opposed to the traditional view that got it from whatever culture or group you were a part of, this is the more modern idea that is very hyper-focused on the self or individualism that says I get to decide fully who I am. No one else gets to put an identity on me. I get to pick everything about myself. So, un- under this uh, way of thinking, by looking inward to get our identity, who you are, your value, and your meaning is not determined by others, but is determined solely by you. What you feel, how you identify, what your heart and your desires are telling you. Phrases like, I must be true to myself. I have to follow my heart. I need to embrace my desires. My heart will guide me, etc., etc. would be kind of mantras of this view. I have to be true to myself. And uh, pick up any piece of, of literature or story or movie, this is a very, very strong theme. Don't let culture, tradition, uh, even your, your team, your group, your family, tell you what to do. You must follow your own heart. The problem with this, just like with getting your identity from outside of yourself, looking outward into the world, is that it also leads to you being crushed and others being excluded. So it leads to you being crushed by thinking that your thoughts, your desires, and your attractions, if if that's ultimate, if that describes exactly who you are, if that is who, uh, why, why you have value and that's your meaning at the core of your existence, what happens when those change? What happens if they do change? If your full uh, identity is based on something that can change, which are thoughts, our desires, our attractions, our hearts, definitely change. I mean, live just a few years, and we will see that. And so it can be crushing to put your full identity in something that is shifting and changing. So it doesn't just crush you, like, it, like we said. It also leads to others being excluded. So if, if my main thought is not to care about others... Or to think about society or think about my groups, my family, my workplace, my team, my colleagues. If I'm only thinking about myself, then if other people think differently, act differently, live differently, then I exclude them, right? It just makes sense, and we see this happen all the time. So whether you get your identity from outside or from inside, whether you look outward or inward, or both, we all do both to some extent, When your identity is achieved, when your identity is earned, our driving motivations are either fear or pride. When our identity comes from outside of us, the world speaking into us or our hearts making that decision, the driving motivation is either fear or pride. It's either fear and we're crushed, like we said earlier. It's, it's uh, we're guided by the fear of losing it. My identity is in my job title or, or my record I, I set on the sports team or how good I look. We're terrified of losing it. Our whole lives will be full of fear because we don't want to lose it or uh, a fear of not being accepted will drive us or a fear of wasting your life or a fear of death. That can be one of our main motivations, or the fear of pride, which leads to excluding others. If you have arrived, if you are where you want to be, if you are popular, if you are succeeding, if you are secure, if you are wealthy, if you are accepted, then you're going to have pride because you're where you want to be, and it's going to be very easily to exclude others who are not there, who haven't worked as hard, who have not succeeded, who have more mistakes in their past, who come from a different place. A great example of both of these, getting your identity from outside and inside your own hearts and how it leads to great fear and pride, crushing, both at the same time. Matthew Perry, who is one of the stars of the TV show Friends, recently passed away. In his memoir, uh, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, he writes exactly about this. Speaking of his Friends cast, if you don't know, Friends was a sitcom that was top of the charts for forever. He writes, we, speaking of his TV show and his cast, we were the very definition of primetime, when primetime still mattered, the gold rush of television. Pretty soon we hit the top 10, then the top five, and we would stay there uh, for a decade. This is unheard of still. So here it was, fame, just as we predicted. Friends, was huge, and I couldn't jeopardize that. I loved my co-stars, my co-actors. I loved the scripts. I loved everything about the show. But I was also struggling with my addictions, which only added to my sense of shame. I had a secret, and no one could know. And even making the shows could be painful. As I admitted at the reunion in 2020, I felt like I was going to die if the live audience didn't laugh. And it's not healthy for sure, but I would sometimes say a line and they wouldn't laugh and I would sweat and just like go into convulsions. If I didn't get the laugh I was supposed to get, I would freak out. I felt like that every single night. So, even at the pinnacle of fame, popularity, success, and acceptance by everyone, friends, and this actor, Matthew Perry, Loved by everyone. Because that's how he was getting his identity, he was constantly terrified of losing it. Constantly. He talked about, even though he was exactly where he wanted to be for his entire life, he was miserable because he was constantly terrified of not getting the laughs, of of, of not succeeding, of letting people down. And so he was crushed. An identity that is achieved or earned is inherently insecure. If our identity is about us and what we did to earn it or achieve it, it can be lost. But it is not just sociology that speaks to this, not just po- many pop, pop, many pop culture references that speak to this, but the Bible speaks to this too. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the authors of the New Testament, he writes about this exact. Same thing in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so he says, which is kind of both scary and good news, he says, I'm not going to listen to the world. I'm not going to listen to what the outside, what what outside says about me, nor am I going to listen to my own heart. He says, I don't trust you, world, Corinthian church, Roman judges, and I don't even trust myself. And so we're going to kind of pick up, we're just going to read a few verses from the middle of a letter he wrote to a church in Corinth. Simply what you need to know is that there's just warring factions in this church. Some people follow this leader, some people follow this leader, some people follow this leader, and Paul is writing back to them, trying to say, this is why what I'm saying is true, and why this division in factions is not true, so basically you just need to know that there's competing leaders within the church. That'll just kind of help set up what we're about to read but this is what Paul says. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you, Corinthian church, or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So while he's being judged by others, Paul says, I- I'm not going to listen. Well, well, notice here what he says. I care very little. So he does care a little bit. He doesn't completely not care what his brothers and sisters in Christ have to say about him. That does matter a little bit, but he says, I care very little if I am judged by you. So he looks out to the world and he says, I kind of care, but I don't really care what you guys think about me ultimately, nor do I even care what human courts ultimately say about me. Whether it's a Roman court, whether it's a court of popular opinion, I care very little about that. I don't look outward to decide who I am. I don't look to the world to decide what my identity is. But he continues, he says, I also don't even look inside my own heart or inside my own mind. Paul, Paul as, as a biblically literate person, knows that the Bible teaches that our hearts are deceitful. Our, our minds are tricked and fooled. And so ultimately, we can't trust our hearts or our minds because they will betray us. They will change They will deceive us. So he also says, I don't even look inward. I don't get my identity from you guys or culture in general, but I also don't even fully trust my own heart. I care very, uh, or he said, indeed, I do not even judge myself. And notice here he says, my conscience is clear. So he's saying, "I, I don't think I've done any wrong. I think I'm following what God has told me to do. I think I'm being a good human, good leader, good pastor, church planter. So my conscience is clear. But that doesn't even make me innocent. I don't even trust my own conscience. It it, it does bear some weight, but ultimately, I don't even trust my own heart or my uh, my own conscience. But instead, Paul gives us a better way, an ultimate way to find out who we are, who you are, the greatest way of finding our identity. And here it moves from bad news to good news. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. I don't judge myself. I don't let the world judge me. Ultimately, I look to the Lord. I look to my Creator. I look to my Savior to say who I am. Because the world will be confused and will lie. My heart and mind will be confused and will lie to me. And so I look to the Lord who judges me. So I don't look outward, I don't look inward, but rather I look upward. I look to the Lord. A lot of this, what I'm getting today, if it's, if it's really good, it's from Tim Keller or the Holy Spirit. It's not from Spencer. Um, so I'm going to quote Tim Keller a few times who writes about this. Uh, here he says about this great news. He says, The Christian gospel offers us the most invincible, confident assurance of our own worth, and yet at the same time requires humble service and the loss of independence. It neither inflates nor crushes the ego. Neither the society nor my own feelings control me and tell me who I am. Quoting from 1 Corinthians 4, it is the Lord who judges me. So Keller says, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and identity and faith uh, in that, and new life, that offers us the most invincible confidence assurance of, of who you are that cannot change. And it's outside of us. It's not you earning it. It's not you figuring it out. It's not uh, changing people or cultures, telling you you're valuable. Rather, the gospel is the only thing that gives us this unshaking identity and security. Keller actually goes on after this quote to help us see that all across the globe, all throughout human history, the way that this plays out Unlike all other religions that say you must be, uh, you must achieve in order to ascend or in order to be accepted, or you must be a part of a certain nationality, or you might be part of a certain group, a certain family, a certain ethnicity, you need to go to a certain place. Unlike all other world religions that say that, Christianity says the opposite. It says you do not, both from the inside or the outside, get your identity, but rather, it is gifted, it is received by someone else doing the work. And so he just looks at data that says, so here's just a a map of the world in each country. It shows which country, uh, the majority religion in each country. So, of course, the United States has many religions in it, but the uh, majority religion is Christianity. And so what he does is he just zooms up on the world, and he says, if you look at all major religions in the world, they're either connected to an ethnicity, a people group, or a geographical location. Or both. But Christianity, unlike all other world religions, is on every single continent, in nearly every single people group, in nearly every single language, because, unlike all other world religions, Christianity, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your class, it doesn't matter your ethnicity or your citizenship, it doesn't matter your sexual identity, your achievements, your wealth, your education. The only thing that matters is if you trust in Jesus. Whereas all other world religions, it's about achievement. It's about being a part of a group, about not being a nail that sticks up higher. It's about climbing a mountain or or denying yourself a certain amount of times, and you can lose it. You can be kicked out of those other faiths, those other religions. And so Keller uses this both as uh, um, support for the idea of getting our identity from outside of ourselves, from above, but also just in the um, truthfulness of the gospel and the beauty of the gospel a, a religion, a good news, a salvation, an identity that is freely given to anyone who will receive it. Let's continue. Let's get to even more good news that's even more clear. Even better news than Paul just saying, the Lord will judge me. I don't trust you. I don't even trust myself. We could look literally a hundred different places in the New Testament to pick up on this. What is the good news? What is this identity we've received from our Savior? But let's just look at Colossians 3 today. Same author, Paul, he writes to another church. He says something similar. He says, since then, speaking to Christians, speaking to a church, You have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So this is the good news of Jesus' gospel. Who you are, your identity, your meaning, is not achieved, it is not earned, but rather is received. As author Elise, uh, uh, Elise Fitzpatrick writes, she says, Christians, by definition, are people who have someone else's identity, right? We're called little Christs. We're called Christ followers. We're called Christians. By definition, we have someone else's identity. That's the main thing about who we are. And of course, there's other important things, all these things we've been talking about. But the most important and the most unchanging thing is having our identity in Christ. Our lives are hidden with Christ. As we read in Colossians 3, we have been resurrected in Christ. Our lives, our identities, and our futures are irreversibly connected to our Lord and Savior. I just love some of these lines, which are like, Really hard to understand what exactly does this mean, yet also powerful and reassuring. So our lives, if you are a Christian here today, are described as being hidden in Christ, and that's always been a strange, reassuring, but also a very strange phrase for me. Uh, my family was reading a book by J.K. Rowling called *The Christmas Pig*, which is sounds fascinating and very cool, but it actually was a really good book. Our family listened to the audiobook on a on a road trip, and there's a cool example of of this. So. Uh, basically, there's a character that is uh, the personification of happiness and just glows. And so for the main characters to sneak behind enemy lines, they are close to this character that just glows. And so no one can actually see them because of the great light uh, that is just emanating from this character, happiness, which kind of reminds me, kind or kinda, it gives a picture of what this is describing. Your, if you are a Christian here, your life is hidden in Christ. His, his holiness, his glory, his beauty, his power, his perfection is just glowing so great that we are just, even though we're next to him and we still are our own individuals, our lives are hidden in Christ. Now this is why it's such good news, right? We've been talking about how other identities from outside and from inside crush us because we have to work hard to keep it or else and they also exclude others because people who don't have that identity, they're on the outside. They're, they're worth less. But the gospel removes you being crushed, you having to stay in, you working really hard to not lose it, and it also kills any type of exclusion as well. Because through the gospel, we don't look down on others because we did not earn our identity. We did not achieve who we are. And so the gospel leads to hearts that love other people rather than compare. That's look at others with compassion rather than judgment or haughtiness or pride. Some of you might say, this sounds interesting, but I'm not a Christian. And that's okay. First of all, thank you for being here. We have many people who aren't Christians uh, check out our church, be a part of our community in many different ways. We want Hiawatha to be, and we hope it is, by God's grace, we think it is, a place where non-Christians or people who are seeking or, or just asking big questions about life and religion and faith can come, can, can feel safe, can ask their questions, can learn, can experience what Christianity and Christian community looks like. So if you're here, welcome, and we're glad that you're here. Be our guest Stick around, ask questions, receive. So you might be saying, yeah, this all sounds kind of great, but I'm, I'm not a Christian, and so I actually do get my identity from outside and from my own heart. So if that is you, there's still good news for you right now. There is an identity that is just received. Whether you're a Christian or not, this is true of all of us, and that is that you are made in God's image. You are made in the image of God and in his likeness. And that's kind of a strange phrase if, if you've never heard it before, but unlike any other part of creation, God made humanity in his image and in his likeness. And there's lots of things that, that that means, but one of the main things is that it means that you have incredible value. You are more valuable to him than any other part of creation. You get to image and reflect the one true God in amazing ways. And regardless of what gender you have, what nation you were born into, or what class you're a part of, what grades you get, what achievements you have, that identity is secure. It's received by you. You cannot lose that. You will always be created in God's image. But it doesn't just stop there. Even greater than that is what we just talked about in Colossians 3. So if you're not a Christian here today, that's fine. Just listen to what uh, is offered to you by Jesus Christ. What he invites you into, an identity that's even greater than just being made in his image. And if you are a Christian here today, this is our identities. If we looked at our passage back in uh, Colossians 3, just notice um, some of the phrasing here too. It's just beautiful to see that uh, who is the active party in describing who we are in our salvation. You notice God's the active party. We are the, res- the recipients. The active agent here is not you, like we've been talking about all morning. It's not you achieved something, you earned something, you're good enough, thus you can lose it if you're not good enough or if you stop achieving. But rather, this is, uh, speaking of our identity, this is how it's described. You have been raised. You didn't raise yourself. You didn't resurrect yourself. You didn't get spiritual life yourself. It happened to you. You were raised with Christ. You died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. You will also appear with him in glory. This this is all passive stuff that's happening to us, an identity that we can't lose because it's not about us. And then the Christian life, if you're wondering, what is the Christian life then all about? And if we look at our passage here, the Christian life is focusing on, and resting in all that's been done for us. So if we're not the active party here in Colossians 3, what what are we supposed to do? Or what does it look like to live as a Christian? So the Christian life is remembering that, focusing on that, looking back at that, reading about it, singing about it, reminding each other about it, and resting in this received identity we have in Christ. Our response is, is to live in light of our received identity. We're told to set your hearts on the things above. Set your eyes on Christ. So if there's an action here for us as Christians, it's to set your eyes on Christ. It's to remember the gospel. It's to go back again and again and again to hearing about the salvation that God has given you. Not that you've earned or achieved, but rather received. Again, Tim Keller says this. He reminds us that Christians value the word of God, which is Jesus Christ, and the words of God more than what the world says or what our heart says. Keller writes, If I build my identity on what Jesus Christ did for me and the fact that I have an everlasting name in him by grace, I can't, on the one hand, feel superior to anybody nor do I have to fear anybody else. I don't have to compare myself with them at all. My identity is based on somebody who was excluded for me, who was cast out for me, who loved his enemies, and that is going to turn me into someone who embraces the different. So Keller reminds us that if we build our identity on Christ, our identity can never be lost. And it leads not to being crushed because we know we cannot sin our way out of it. We cannot lose it. And it also leads to me not excluding others because the gospel should lead to humility, not pride. Because I'm not special. I'm just loved. I didn't do anything to earn it. I just received it because my Savior saved me. Now this whole time, we've been talking about the importance of making our ultimate identity in Christ, our ultimate identity from the Lord. But what about all the other identities, right? It's not fully untrue that part of who I am is how I feel, how I think, my desires, my attractions, my heart, as well as part of my identity is what people group I'm a part of, what I do with my time, who I'm connected to, what I have done in this life. But the gospel not only does this, not only gives us an identity that we cannot lose, that doesn't crush ourselves nor exclude others, but the gospel also frees us then out of that to see all of our other identities in the right place, in the right perspective, and to value them in the right order. So the family that I'm a part of is great, and I can be very thankful for it, but God forbid if I lose my family members, if I get kicked out or they all die, If I get fired from my job, if my house burns down, if my retirement or bank account gets stolen, if I'm no longer popular, if I'm no longer good looking, if my friends or my loved ones abandon me, if any of that happens, we're not fully crushed because our ultimate identity is in Christ. So the gospel frees us to see and value all of our other identities in the correct order, in the right place. One more time. Elise Fitzpatrick helps us see this. She's an author, uh, and she writes this. She says, We can rejoice because our basic identity questions have all been answered in him, in Christ. Who we are as individuals, our place of belonging, the purposes of our lives, the permanence of our existence and work have all been answered forever. We are loved, welcomed, adopted, united to him, and forgiven. Nothing, not even our sin, will ever change what he has done. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would make that true in our hearts right now. That our identities would be so wrapped up in so... uh, safe and secure and foundational to who we are that nothing would ultimately shake us yes loved ones dying losing our jobs our friends betraying us great uh physical or mental health challenges yes they might be very hard but they will not completely rock us because we have something that is unchanging and identity that's given to us that we've received that comes from outside of ourselves that comes from our creator and so God, help us to remember that not anything we have done can take us out of your hand and out of your family, nor uh, can even our sin. So God, give us confidence in our identity that comes from you. Let that be the most important part of, of, of who we are. And then let us see all the other identities, the other gifts that you've given us be uh, lesser and, and, and put in the right place. important, but not ultimate. And for those in this room who have not uh, believed yet, God, we pray that they would just see uh, your great love for them, that you created them in your image, that they are incredibly valuable, because they are loved by you and made in your image, and we pray that they would believe that they would receive your salvation, your adoption, your uh, resurrection that you give to those who don't earn it, but rather just receive it by putting their trust not in themselves, but their trust. In you, Jesus, in your perfect life, your death on the cross for us, your victorious resurrection and ascension. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.